Hey everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of A Decade Under the Influence. I am your host, Lucas Lowry-Ross, and I am joined by Jake Lawrence over there. Hey, hey everyone. So Hi, we're back. We're We're back. back. It's been a bit. Just wanted to... uh, I sincerely apologize that we didn't clear the air. Announce. We don't apologize here. Well, that's fair. No, no. One thing, if there's one thing that I've learned in my not professional podcasting career, it's you never apologize for not releasing content. Julia Child. You get it when you get it. You don't throw a fit, fit it. I don't know. I, th- there you go. Whatever. We've been, we've been gone for a little bit. Life's crazy. It happens to the best of us. I Y'all got understand. Married. Lucas got married. It's been about a month. A lot of a lot of stuff has happened, but you know what? We're back, and we're back with a fantastic album for you guys today. We are going to be talking about Contra by Vampire Weekend, released 2010. Oh my God, Vampire Weekend is one of I w- I would like to say one of my absolute favorite bands, uh, especially in this specific genre. Right. Like they have cemented themselves as just these incredible, like indie darlings. So this album, right. 2010, uh, was released in January of 2010. Uh, vampire weekend is a New York based, uh, indie rock band, uh, who does not really stick to any type of, I guess, sound really, or any type of, uh, I, I guess I guess that they latch themselves on as more of like an emotional state, right? They they I mean they they're uh, they're indie. They are I, I, when I think of Vampire Weekend, I think of a punk, and when you think of a punk, you can't just not think kind of hipster. Uh, I mean, like not in a bad way, I guess. Uh, more of an indie way, sure. But they're definitely indie. I mean, I can't say that they're not any genre. Well, what I can say is that their sound does not cement themselves into any genre. Because, like, they could be indie pop on some things. They could be a straight-up rock band on other tracks. Uh, They could jam out to the harpsichord. It just kind of depends. You know, they, they have elements of incredible uh, world music. But we'll get into all of that. These guys met at Columbia University, okay, uh, specifically Ezra Koning and Rostam Intense last name that I do not want to mispronounce. Um, they essentially met and they crafted uh, Vampire Weekend, right? And because of uh, mainly uh, Rostam's uh, abilities and because of his incredible creativity, they have been able to incorporate just such unique and interesting elements into their, uh, their music. Right now, um, I will say that vampire weekend usually is not for everyone. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with Ezra's vocal delivery, uh, because it's very interesting. Uh, how would you describe it, Jake? Um, okay. So I've had this, I've had this, uh, this comparison in my head for ever. Uh, every time I fucking hear Ezra's voice, I think of Dimitri Martin's face. 
That is incredible. <laughs> Dude, that is I've incredible. always, I've always, like, anytime I see a music video, I'm like, nah, nah, it's Dimitri Martin. No, no nobody's, I, nobody's I, hiding anything. I completely agree. I also, I also <laughs> kind of think in uh, Charlie's Angels, the first one, uh, with, with like Drew Barrymore and everything like that, that, like, the thin man, that actor. Yes, it exactly. Very much sounds he, the way that that man looks. He, he has. A very white voice. I don't know. He does. He <laughs> like does. it's it's an, it's a quirky white indie hipster guy voice. There's nothing wrong with it. I actually really love his voice. But when you look at the man himself, that's not what you would expect his voice to if sound. If Cardigans like. could talk, it would sound like Ezra. Exactly. That'll be the name of this episode. If ooh, if Cardigans <laughs> could talk, shit. that's incredible. <laughs> oh, that's dude. fucking incredible. There so, we go, everybody. Welcome to If Cardigans Could Talk with uh, Jake and Lucas. Hell yeah. What would they say? Do they know things? Let's find out. <laughs> Let's um, find out. So, oh, Bojack. Oh, Bojack. Holy oh, my crap. God. We need another podcast just to talk about shit like that. I would say so. I think. I w- who would listen to that? Let us know in the comments on something. <laughs> on wherever this is posted. Um, yes, there's Facebook, Instagram, now, whatever. This album is the sophomore album from Vampire Weekend. Their first album, their self-titled album, actually came out before 2010. Um, and we are probably we going, will to, be going, we into are that. going to be talking about that album as well in our Decade Rewinds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that absolutely. album, uh, originally, here, let me actually figure out. Who gives a fuck that, about uh, an Oxford comma? Ooh, so incredible. So uh, incredible. I, I personally think that that album is better than this album and not as good as their third album, which we'll probably also talk about. Oh, well, we will absolutely way later. 2013 way later is going to be a banger. There's a little, there's a little spoiler for you guys. We do talk about modern vampires of the city. Absolutely. In the future. Absolutely. So definitely get excited for that one. So their first album came out 2008. These guys have been around since 2006. I've seen them live twice and they are just absolutely incredible. I'm also, I haven't, uh, I haven't gotten the chance to see them live, but I feel like they put on an incredible show they because do. they all just seem like they seem very well put together the, as people, the way maybe not album, emotionally, but on the outside, they seem like very well put together human beings. Well, and I'll also like to throw a little shout out to, um, Rostam, the, uh, main producer and songwriter, uh, not lyric writer, but songwriter, uh, for the album actually exited in, I believe 2016, um, maybe 2015. It was decided and then formally announced in 2016. Um, and he made his own, uh, album. Um, he ventured off into the abyss uh, of being a solo artist and, uh, it is, it, it is very good. Um, there are certain elements of it that I'm not a huge fan of, but, uh, on the whole, uh, it's fantastic. So if you want to go listen to that as well, uh, I believe it came out last year, uh, in 27. Yes, it did come out last year in 2017. Uh, I specifically recommend the tracks wood and bicycle. I think that they are fantastic and you can most definitely, if you like vampire weekend, you will most definitely probably like uh, that album as well. So it, it'll blend in for it, you. It'll very blend well. in very, very well. Now, I mean, for, for fans of vampire weekend, a lot of this is going to kind of be uh, a little bit boring. Um, but uh, for people who don't <laughs> like, vampire, I don't weekend, know how many hardcore vampire weekend 
fans we have like jam in the podcast well which is good hopefully in my opinion later down the line maybe maybe but as of right now i'm not sure many people are like oh you know i know everything about this album and everything about this band totally true you know that's it's not you know that's not a bad thing by any means so vampire weekend is in my opinion fantastic at a thing called juxtaposition now, yes. if we are going to be talking about just juxtaposition, I feel like I need to kind of explain uh, a little bit about what Let it me is. explain! Sorry, I couldn't help it. You had to do it. Do, I had to do it. not bring abandoned all shit. It's too late. It's too late. Podcast it, it's here. Ever it's again. here. Oh, oh it'll be God. back. It'll be back every time you say something like that. Anyway, juxtaposition is essentially uh, two separate things, right, that are seemingly unrelated. But when placed next to each other or within the same element, uh, they both have different meanings, right? Essentially like an independent and dependent variable. If both of them are dependent upon each other, then the uh, meaning behind them, uh, the symbiosis of them uh, essentially changes, right? So I think that Vampire Weekend is incredible at juxtaposition. Absolutely. Especially because uh, Ezra, Ezra Koenig, uh, he has some very lofty and honestly pretty fantastic lyrics on this album. A lot of it is about um, like young love, um, as well as for some incredible reason, um, life in the third world and poverty and opposition and things like that. Um, it's definitely interesting uh step in that direction for them exactly uh especially considering their later contributions to the music world uh but all and their earlier ones for god's sake i mean you know you you don't hear any of those themes on the original all of that content right all of those lyrical themes are on top of these fucking incredibly catchy ass instrumentals these things that like every single one of these songs could be a radio hit depending on what radio you listen to right every single one like specifically i'll just i'll just throw them out there i know that white sky already was a radio hit and frankly that song, so was giving up the gun so was giving actually, up the gun so was that's Run. the most accessible so I'd was feel. diplomat's son like and ottoman Absolutely. i mean ottoman's not technically on the album um but great song though definitely worth checking out nick and Nora's i think it's on the playlist. deluxe Yes. It's on the deluxe version, right? It, it is on the deluxe version. Um, it, yeah. w- it wasn't on the actual release. So we're not actually going to be talking about that song, but um, it, it is a fantastic song. I believe it's actually one of Jake's favorite songs by Vampire Weekend, and he's very upset that it was not included in this album because he heard it on Nick and Nora's. This is such a wonderful playlist. little song. I get why they didn't include it. It literally caught, like borrows lyrics from a song on their first album and i get it but i really really love that song i totally agree but every single one of these um right with with all of the uh, musicality all of the instrumentation everything could be just the most catchy earworm radio hit right and meanwhile he's kind of talking about some uh, i guess not so radio hit radio hit-esque types of things right Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I personally think that it's incredible because on their first album, on their self-titled album, 
They were really just trying to make a name for themselves, right? They were trying to essentially stand out. And they kind they of, were establishing themselves, exactly. and, and they did extremely well. And they were essentially trying to uh, create this almost like archetype of whimsical. It's like, uh, like, like whimsical Wes Anderson score. Almost. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, Not like, score, but music that you would easily associate. be able to incorporate into any of Wes Anderson's films. That's Vampire Weekend. So, like, get that idea in your head, because that's that's how I see it. As as, as well as the whole Dimitri Martin thing, uh, that's just kind of how I see this band, and I always have, and I love them. But I that that will never go away. <laughs> exactly. Uh, even even on their newest album, which is admittedly fantastic, and they just dropped a new track a few month ago now. So excited for that! They absolutely did, um, and. We'll see what they have to offer. But I mean, like they, they, they kind of cemented themselves as like somebody that wears two tone Oxford shoes and cardigans with perfectly quaffed hair and, uh, like a fun <laughs> summer esque band, right? That they were, Oh yeah, absolutely. That they were making, uh, they were making music, uh, for, uh, essentially college age people, uh, to essentially yep. have a good time to, right. And that's fine. However, I feel like on this album, they really kind of realized like, holy shit, we can do anything. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like for yeah, example, yeah, they weren't just kind of going back to their old ways, exactly. which is always appreciated exactly. from any musician uh, when they're able to do it correctly. Exactly. A lot of them don't. And, and so like, I, like I think on their first album, uh, there was a lot of very evident uh, I, I like to call them surfer guitars, like the, uh, almost kind of sounds like a, a, a ska bands guitarist, uh, in, in the way that they're strumming and the notes and, and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and yeah, with a clean, yeah, clean guitar, very clean guitar. Apparently, like apparently Ezra, uh, was, was put on record saying the reason he was so obsessed with clean guitars is because growing up in the nineties, he was like bludgeoned with nonstop grungy guitar and he did it as a way to rebel. That's legitimately what he said. Totally. And, and so <laughs> Which a fun little tidbit that actually is a great fucking segue into what I was going to talk about next segue. This album is very much about rebellion, right? Oh yeah. Uh, absolutely. Be, and even, even just down to the title contra, right? Contradictory, uh, or, uh, the actual contras, uh, that were, it was a massive political movement, uh, that, uh, essentially stood against, an, an oppressive government, uh, things like that, as well as, um, the people that they're kind of catering to are all about, uh, essential rebellion, right? Now, one thing that I think is really fantastic about this is that this band technically came out during the 2000s indie craze, right? 2006, 2008-ish, um, when their first album was released. And so they were right on the tail end of this massive movement uh, in, in, in indie music. And so, like, I think that they tried to create something that would be just different enough to kind of sail them through for the next two years, something that they could tour on something that would be fun, something that would be whimsical. 
uh, you know, and, and things that kind of, uh, are a little bit tongue in cheek, but still kind of call back to that same type of image of the two-tone Oxford shoes and the cardigan and the quaffed hair and things like that. Uh, like even on their first album, you know, Oxford comma, uh, a punk, uh, Cape quad, quasa, quasa, uh, even just campus, right? Uh, they wrote, uh, very, uh, almost light music, either light in lighthearted or light as in the way that it sounds and everything like that. And their debut was only 34 minutes long. This album is also not that long, but this album sounds so much different, right? And, and the thing that I think is, is very telling, especially on that first album, we're not talking about that yet, but uh, on, on the last track on that first album, the kids don't stand a chance, right? Was very much about how uh, we are kind of leaving a, a horrible situation for our kids to grow up into, right? Um, and and all of these different things and creating this terrible environment and all of this stuff, right? And I feel like Contra is essentially kind of an extension of that one song. Uh, Contra, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Contra is essentially saying, like, look, this is what we are going to be faced with. Um, of, of the, of this type of, uh, rebellion. And now that's not necessarily, uh, in the lyrics themselves, uh, because a lot of them are very light. A lot of them are very whimsical. A lot of them are about young love, um, and, and things like that. Um, however, I think in the way that these albums sound, I think that the incorporation of, uh, like Indian influences as well as, uh, chords, uh, not chords, strings, like orchestral violins. Uh, like there are certain songs on Contra, uh, that sound like they have some pretty sweet Bach influences. Um, like, like, look, like just little things <laughs> like the that. whitest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> I've, yeah. Probably. Some pretty sweet Bach influences. Well, L listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about Bach now. Let's get Baroque. I know no. that I know that Bar I know that Bach is not of the Baroque era. Everybody, um, <laughs> I, I just, that's the I, second whitest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> ooh, see, that would be another good episode title. The second whitest thing I've heard you say. Um, oh my god! Now, um, the the I I really think that the way that they have kind of crafted this entire album and and each one of these songs, there's not really a, a single narrative that moves through the whole thing right no instead, it's definitely not one of those kinds of albums instead there are individual snapshots and i feel like each one of these tracks can easily stand on its own easily right um and i think a lot of that has to do with just the incredibly dense and intricate songwriting uh that they display on this album yeah yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's it's a very it's a varied album. I, I hate saying very varied because it's so redundant. Extremely sounding. varied. It is incredibly varied, uh, and and like you said, the themes that they go into. Um, the the thing about Vampire Weekend is is the the lyrical content is something that again you kind of have to to do a little more of a deep dive on to really understand face value however it's just really enjoyable fun music it's just it's good stuff to just you know 
to listen to. Uh, it's not even like party music, but it's you jam out, listen to it. It's a good time. It'll put you in a better mood. It's upbeat. Um, once you get a little further in, you do start to see those different themes uh, kind of layering their way in there. Like, for example, uh, run into cousins and giving up the gun. Exactly. Right. Like, so, so you hear that, but then you hear the, the, again, with that very similar theme that we bring in with almost every album we've reviewed thus far, um, that very like happy go lucky, positive sound because it, g- giving up the gun is a very positive, happy sounding song. Um, but you get into these darker ish themes where, and, and when I say darker ish, I mean like, Vampire Weekend doesn't necessarily go into the territory of being like, damn, that was obviously very dark and had a definite double meaning. Um, But more of a, I don't want to say on the nose, but more of a hidden meaning, right? Like something along more of those lines to where it's not in your face. Like they're not being politically like, oh, fucking check this out. But they are mellowly saying things within these incredibly maze-like lyrics that they use. Like, for example, on Run, right? The, the hook of it. Uh, I said, you know, there's nowhere else to go. But changing roles, it struck me that the two of us could run. Right? And now, however you want to read into that is up to you. Um, but the way that that is delivered is just so interesting. It's very staccatoed. It's very, very catchy. Um, and then once uh, the, the, the hook kind of ends uh, on that word run, it's like this barrage of all different types of instrument. There's a harpsichord in there, some incredible percussion. And really, I think the key thing <clears throat> on this, uh, on this album is the percussion, right? I think the per- the percussion really kind of steps it up a little bit. And I think that that's really They're very what, crisp. Well, and I think that's just what, on a production level as well as very crisp, really, really well recorded drums. Absolutely. I mean, like it's, there's well, no, and, they don't get lost in the mix. And the thing that I think is so interesting, uh, is that, uh, Rostam, uh, was he, I, I believe that he was a music major and he was very, very interested in, uh, African uh, centric uh, type of music, right? Because uh, a lot of the music that we consume today uh, actually originated in Africa um, with the specific types of beats that we kind of respond to and, and, and things like that. Um, and so the way that he is able to incorporate those kind of like worldly pieces of percussion into this is so incredible. I mean, like, I think that's what really made them stand out at the end of the 2000s, right? Like when Phoenix was, was, was massive, right? But, there, but Phoenix's percussion was not the same, right? Same thing with like these big arena rock bands like Jet uh, or even the White Stripes. Let's talk about the White Stripes' production. <laughs> not production, percussion. Nuts. Percussion, yeah. Right? Like, sure. what, what, but what I'm saying is that because it's so varied, it adds a different element like you wouldn't expect uh to hear surfer guitars uh, i don't know what the instrument is called but it's like that indian guitar um 
sitar a sitar yes <laughs> come on man that's, that's right there it's I'm, easy okay. it well, literally you know, sounds like guitar well okay sitar uh, a, a sitar you know why because you sit and then and then you wouldn't expect to hear a sitar a harpsichord uh surfer guitars um and then some sweet african bongos backing the whole thing up and then just the most light very beatles of them it, it very beatles it of very them. much is right like, I think absolutely that Vampire Weekend is heavily influenced by the experimental age of the Beatles, right? Like, Sergeant oh, Pepper. I mean, that, I mean that, that should be made obvious even when it comes to the way that they market themselves, uh, their album covers, the way that they do anything. It's very experimental and very heavily influenced by the Beatles. Absolutely. And you can very well see it as well. Uh, you can, you, or, or I guess hear it, right? Yeah, you can't um, really see it. You can't really see. I mean, you can, if he had, if it was Dimitri Martin, though, you could see it. Oh God, yes. Oh God, <laughs> yes. Um, and so, like, the thing that I think is so interesting about this band and about this album is that their first album uh, uh, came out right. They cemented themselves as these cute little indie darlings, and then Contra came out, and it was far more critically acclaimed. It was incredible. Sure. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, more people definitely took note. Exactly. I mean, Pitchfork put it on their top 200 albums of the decade, January of 2010, right? They were mm -hmm. that confident that, it, that, that there was not going to be 201 albums that were better than this, right? That's, sure. that's yeah, some absolutely. serious confidence, right? That's, that's high praise. That's absolutely high praise. High praise. High praise. I mean, Pitchfork of all people would be the ones to do that, but... It's still high praise. Either way, right? <laughs> and and I, just, I just really think that the juxtaposition of this album is just incredible. The way that this thing sounds is just incredible. It, it really does. The, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I <laughs> very much appreciate when uh, musicians do something that is different. Right. Because yeah, there's so absolutely. much fucking music out there that frankly, if you don't do something different, then it won't really matter. Uh, just for example, let's take Denzel Curry, right? Denzel Curry, uh, just released taboo. It's really, really good. Everybody go listen to it. Fantastic album. And go so, check out taboo. It's uh, hard. So Denzel Curry created this, this album and, uh, he basically took this trap sound, right? This like, Mm -hmm. southern hip-hop sound and he crafted it to make it his own right which is something that i really love about that album i know i know but we're not going to talk about he, that he, he doesn't he doesn't waver he doesn't on on his own set okay you're right we won't talk and about instead that. for like way five years yeah, from way now <laughs> and instead you know instead of doing something like what future has done uh or something like a, a little yachty or or any of these yes any of these wash and repeat trap rappers um, and just kind of producing the same thing over and over again. Uh, he's kind of reinvented it. Right. Um, and I feel like vampire weekend has done the exact same thing is that they took elements of the era that they essentially came out in. Right. And then they incorporated elements of things that no one had ever heard before. Right. I mean, I mean, maybe, uh, there's been some type of underground, indie pop band that's incorporating sitar and harpsichord and accordion uh into their music 
but they're not nearly as commercially successful as Vampire Weekend. And frankly, I don't know who they are. If I, if I am missing them, please let me know. Cause I would love to hear that. But <laughs> the thing that I think is so incredible is that this is their sophomore album. And usually with sophomore albums, they uh, tend to disappoint because the debut is so incredible. Vampire Weekend's debut was great, but their sophomore, I think is better. Jake disagrees. I don't. I think their debut was so strong. I mean, like every single track on their debut album was absolutely killer to me. Every single one. Whereas Contra, I don't want to say that any of the tracks are necessarily bad, but some of them I don't feel bad about skipping. Whereas yeah, with right. the original, I just want to listen to that whole thing in its entirety, even though there is no necessary narrative or, and it's not a concept album or anything like that, but it's such a good, well put together album. Uh, whereas Contra, though I appreciate this about the band is a lot more experimental, right? Like uh, vampire weekend self-titled is not a formula, but it's very cohesive. You can listen to every song without really getting attacked by any other sort of sound. Whereas Contra, they're like, okay, we can do whatever the fuck we want. People like us enough. Uh, let's get weird with it. And a lot of people really enjoyed that. And I also enjoyed that. But I don't find myself ever, ever thinking to myself, man, I really want to listen to Contra. I think I want to listen to either Self-Titled or Modern Vampires of the City. But In see, my opinion, this album is the weakest of the three. Now, that being said... There's nothing wrong with this album. In fact, it is a great album. The weakest of the three of an incredible roster. Like, you have to really think about that. Like, this album is still absolutely worth listening to. And if the self-titled and Modern Vampires weren't around, this would be an incredible album. But they set these standards by making such fantastic music that it's hard for me to see this album as better than their self-titled at the very least and that's totally fair i think that they have gotten progressively better um mainly just because on their self-titled they wrote incredibly catchy music uh that really kind of sticks with you is very very fun to listen to uh but i don't think that it had the same sound incorporation the same type of dynamics the same type production of wise this album is better that that's exactly i agree it. that's exactly but it. I even like the lyrical songwriting on self-titled more. I agree. Than on Contra. Maybe it's because it was a little bit more on the nose. I mean, like Oxford comma, like it's just a fucking, that whole album so good. Whereas this album, again, they get a little more experimental. They get a little different and it was a good call and a bad call at the same time because their production like went up. It sounds yes. better. Like yes. the entire, the sonically, this album is better than the self-titled. Uh, Content-wise, though, I still think self-titled wins. Now, the really great thing about this as well is that Contra is an album that you can kind of take anything away from, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think that it is a brave album. I think that it is. Oh God! Uh, don't say brave. No, brave in the sense of <laughs> like they were able like like for i i personally think that danny brown's atrocity uh, exhibition was a brave fucking album like the dude, i agree with that yeah like fully i think like, that legitimately was the agree exact with that. same because they did a uh, full flip 
Uh, a lot of people did not like their self-titled. They thought that it was whiny and unrelatable. Uh, and those same people were essentially shut up by Contra. By Contra. Right. But, which is great. And they took so like many that. risks on Contra. And I think that one thing that really just kind of exemplifies everything that they were trying to do. Is, and there's a little bit of history to this as well. But in the album cover. Um, mm. and yeah, I'm curious about that. I don't actually know much. It's, it's about their, it's honestly cover. incredibly interesting. They were engaged. So let me just, let me just throw this out there. So they picked the album cover. It is a, a, a picture of a woman who's kind of staring at you. Um, and what Ezra said is that, uh, it was kind of like a Mona Lisa type situation where depending on how you look at it, depending on, uh, the angle by which, or the mood that you're in. Uh, you can kind of take something different away from it. Uh, you know, is this woman happy? Is this woman scared? Is this woman angry or anything like that? Right. Surprise. Surprise. A lot of different. Yeah. A lot of different emotions. Exactly. So a little face. bit of history behind this. Apparently it was a, uh, a Polaroid uh, that was taken back in the eighties. And it was uh, then uh, the photographer who took it. Uh, essentially went about his merry way. Um, and when this album came out, uh, XL records, as well as vampire weekend, uh, contacted this photographer, uh, and they wanted to essentially do something like this. Uh, they picked this picture and then they ran with it, right? Because they loved it. Sure. Yeah. Sure yeah. enough. Um, let me actually get her exact name. Uh, cause I don't want to fuck that up. Um, <laughs> uh, but the woman in the picture, um, essentially, uh, found out that her picture was used and sued, uh, vampire weekend, uh, the photographer, uh, I believe his last name is Brody, um, as well as XL records, uh, because they didn't, in, get, they didn't get that model release, man. Well, uh, apparently the release that she did sign, um, was not, uh, for, this specific thing right now oh so it was a very specific release yes like it was it, 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 it wasn't like it a, was like a, an all hands yeah it, it was not like he couldn't resell the photo uh but he could use it for his own uh marketing uh todd brody um he could use it for his own marketing and portfolio but he could not sell it but i mean it was 26 okay, years yeah, yeah. after the photo was taken so i completely understand um any type of contract Anne Kirsten Kennis is the woman. Uh, she sued him for okay. $2 million uh, for using the photo without her permission. Um, and so sh she took the photo when she was uh, a model uh, under contract with multiple prestigious agencies in New York. Um, and uh, she also said that any releases that were eventually uh, ultimately signed uh, by her were forged. I personally think that that's phishing, but neither here yeah that seems a little weird um, man i don't know that 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 feels uh, she she wanted more uh more justification for the case exactly so in uh, december 2010 uh right before uh the album was released uh vampire weekend uh filed their own lawsuit against the photographer um arguing that he did not let them know about the situation and therefore if the uh, lawsuit ultimately did happen uh that uh, he would have to pay all damages um, due to misrepresentation. Sure, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and then in 2011, 
uh, Ken has dropped her lawsuit against XL and Vi- Vampire Weekend um, because they paid her an ungodly amount of money, I assume. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, they, 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 it was a settlement. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You gotta, I mean, it, it, out was, of court it was a settlement. settlement and I mean, like, they paid $5,000 for the photo, um, which I think is kind of ridiculous personally, but neither here nor there. Um, I mean, actually, you know, I don't think that's ridiculous. I think that for me, this band, this band at this point was in the limelight. People fair. knew of them. That's totally fair. There was no question. And XL Records, people know of them. So the photographer was like, oh, you want to use one of my photos? Well, I'm going to fucking leverage that shit because y'all have money. I'd Absolutely. do the same fucking thing. I, I, I completely agree. Um, Especially because nobody really gives a shit who took the photo. It's very true. So it's um, like, you got to cover your own, you got to cover your ass. And also Brody eventually got his, uh, because while the lawsuit from Kenneth to XL and vampire weekend, uh, were dropped, uh, the separate lawsuits against Brody from Kenneth and the lawsuit from vampire weekend against Brody, uh, were not dropped. And both of those, uh, essentially came to fruition and he was buried in legal fees. So, <laughs> um that is kind of the backstory behind the album cover um fun, fun album cover guys that's a, definitely an interesting story definitely an interesting story however it kind of does uh essentially signify a little bit something else about this album in that you know there are multiple different things that you can kind of take away from this uh the history behind it uh now that you know um as well as just the uh, like I said, Mona Lisa esque nature of it. Right. Um, like obviously they could have just changed the picture. They could, they could have just done it. They were like, Oh shit. Sorry. And then just fucked off and let's, done a different, let's one. use a different album. Cover. But that it was have been, so you know, incredibly important to them that they had this woman looking this way on the album cover. And I think that that is something that uh, you can really kind of take away is that every single thing about this album, was specifically crafted to be the exact way that it is. It's not like these guys are a jam band. It's not like these guys. And they're just like, hey, yeah, man, like hey, whatever. Yeah, man, we'll we'll fucking the make some music. Obviously, I mean, obviously they have vision. That, that's the whole thing with Vampire Weekend that I don't think a lot of people give them enough credit for. Uh, again, this comes back to me saying they seem like well put together people, at least on the outside. Uh, obviously, there's vision there. I mean, he, they would not drop this woman's photo because they were so set on that being the centerpiece of the what described this album. Of their album. And the best thing about that is no one even really knows, but they do. And that's really all that they give a fuck about. They exactly. really want people to understand like this is important. This is a huge part of the album. I cannot recommend this album enough. Um, I personally think it's fantastic. I personally think it's a fantastic stepping stone into Vampire Weekend uh, because then you'll be able to see uh, where they came from prior to this um, in, uh, you know, where they've been. Uh, And then you'll also be able to go into Modern Vampires of the City uh, where they eventually end up. And then hopefully this year we will get an album i'm Um, i'm not feeling like it's going to be this year i mean we have one single out right now which is kind of a bummer one single from august though i think that they're going for a grammy release um yeah maybe november ish 
uh, kind of like the same time. I would like to see that, like, just anything else. I mean, me, me as well. And, you know, uh, we're going on two months now. Absolutely. Of, of just a release, which is a good release. Uh, hopefully. Uh, with Rostam gone. No, no, no gonna... the, the album was great. Oh. Like the, the song itself yeah, was the, good. The single was fantastic. The record, it was super duper good. Yes. Uh, with Rostam gone, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to kind of see where they go. Um, but yeah, that's Contra. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I think that there's a little something for everybody in here. It's multi-generational. Um, you know, people that liked the Beatles, uh, will very much like this album as well. Uh, I think that they will. That's, that's debatable. I think if if they, if they stick with the same mindset. If you like the Beatles for the correct reasons, sure. Yes. If you like the Beatles just because of the, the sound of the Beatles, then probably not. Fair. Absolutely fair. I mean, I, it, that's to say, like, if you're a fucking diehard Beatles fan, you're probably not going to go into Vampire Weekend thinking, like, oh my god, it's the modern Beatles. Do you know what I mean? It's all about your thought Absolutely. process. Absolutely. But I mean, that's them. Uh, Vampire so Weekend. So, what is, would you is, rate this album, Lucas? Personally, I would rate this album like a eight point eight, um, roughly. I don't think it's as good as Modern Vampires of the City. I think that it's better than their debut. Um, and I think that, uh, this album really kind of was their first foray into experimental indie pop. Um, and I think that it was, uh, very much different than what they did in the, uh, debut, in the previous, um, in the previous, uh, album. And then I also think that modern vampires of the city would not exist had they not released this. So I would give this an 8.8. Well, I would give it a 7.9. Jesus. Great album. Great album. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I'm still not of the mindset that it's like incredible. Okay, fine. I'll revise. 8.2. It deserves the 8. It deserves Because it is eight. incredibly produced sonically. Uh, songwriting's great. Lyrics are great. Um, I just, I, it is not nearly to me as good as their debut album which you won't get a score from me on because that'll be released later uh, and is definitely not nearly as good as Modern Vampires of the City. Agreed. Great album. It is. And, and one thing I wanted to talk about was um, the, the opener, Horchata. Great song. Uh, and it's definitely something that kind of uh, introduces the album to you. Very well. Very, extremely well. It's just a, the, that first song is a contradiction in and of itself. Absolutely. Nobody drinks horchata in December. Nobody. It's a very summer drink. Absolutely. And I, that was the whole point of that. And we didn't really get into the, the lyrics on this one, but that, that was something that I was like, all right, all right, all right I'll give cool. you that. I like that. I like that right, juxtaposition. That you know, little, I like that contradictory nature. That's a GC yeah. contradiction right there. You're Scotch Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, number seven uh, of 2010. Yes. Uh, next week we're going to do another decade rewind. Um, and then we'll hop back into number six and it's going to be a weird one. We're finally going to get, uh, something a little bit different outside of just, uh, indie pop, uh, and, <laughs> or uh, hip hop <laughs> uh, or, or hip hop. Uh, so, uh, I'm very, very excited. Uh, stay tuned. We have a lot more stuff coming up. Uh, I don't see any more, uh, major hiatus is happening. Um, in the near future uh it's just been really really crazy and we're really kind of excited to get back at it and and we're kind of we're trying out a new format um it's more of a medium to long 
episode format. Uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure you guys are going to be getting two hour long episodes uh, about uh, Neutral Milk Hotel. Um, but I feel like this, this will more allow the show to continue in a more organized manner. Absolutely. Let us know what you think obviously and of course Hit us up on facebook and of course there, there are going to be albums that we are going to kind of you know explore like that obviously in an airplane over the sea we had to uh tame and polish <laughs> <inner speaker, laughs> just went to the yeah uh not necessarily it was the same kind of thing with fantagram you know what i mean we just rambled on about ween for you know 45 minutes um but yeah uh, uh, of course follow us on instagram uh, uh follow us on facebook like us on facebook uh i suppose uh follow jake oh and the inst the instagram uh for us is a decade under yes uh the facebook for us is a decade under the influence uh, i don't think you made a twitter uh, sure i you didn't. did make a twitter pretty sure you didn't positive it's a decade i'm under. just kidding i'm sure i'm sure it's still there so my instagram is at lrntz.jpg. Also, check out my podcast. I hope this doesn't suck. I just released a new episode tonight, right before we started recording this with my first ever guest. Lucas's Instagram is at slaughterpops. Go peep his personal. You can life. actually see uh, some shots from my wedding uh, that Jake yes, actually yes, absolutely. Took. Yeah, I took a couple, and then a really good friend of ours, Aaron Day, uh, took a bunch of great photos of their wedding as well. Absolutely. It's a super good time. Uh, also, uh, and, uh, just one last final shout out. Um, shout out to Rico Leva uh, for uh, doing our boy. fantastic uh, intro music. Uh, I know that Jake's also kind of working with him as well uh, for, yes. yeah. uh, for I Hope This Doesn't Suck. Uh, and he is a fantastic musician and we cannot thank him enough uh, for uh, what he's done here. Um, so, check his stuff out uh he's fantastic make sure yeah he's he's doing killer stuff and uh he's he hasn't done anything bad yet so there you go <laughs> it's very, very true. but yeah there you go that's vampire weekend contra and make damn sure to tell all your friends to listen thank you so yeah, much make sure thank you guys again we're back ladies and gentlemen i almost said bitches bitches i didn't want to we're back bitches. i didn't you know you know, no, fuck that. You know, this it's, isn't it's an, too obvious. This is an explicit show about fantastic music. It's but bitches is too obvious. Like bitches. we're back, motherfuckers. I feel is more accurate. We can just throw out c words. Yeah, not not, not, <laughs> not in the context. I would say not in the context. <laughs> not in the context. No. Um, but uh, I liked that. I yeah, saw what you did. yeah. You see what I, I did see there. What you did. But folks, thank you again so much for listening. Absolutely. Make damn sure. Tell all your friends. Listen to the podcast. Uh, share this. If you can, you know, share it to your Facebook. Let people know. It's the only way to get these things out there is for you to tell your friends. Yes. <laughs> we can tell our friends all we want, but it's our own podcast. It's right? our own so podcast. It doesn't come off and as And we don't genuine, have that so. many friends. Oh, yeah. See? See? Be our friends. There you go. There you go. Be our friends. Share to your friends. Have them share to their friends. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys, uh, I, I genuinely hope you enjoyed this episode. Me as well. We're out. Bye.